Section 30 of A Short History of France by Mary Duclos. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Part 4. Chapter 1. The Reign of Terror. Part 3. We have to consider, said Robespierre, not justice, but policy. There was calculation, as well as vengeance, anger, and conviction in the Jacobin onslaught on the king. Unfortunate Louis the Sixteenth, He was the bone of contention between two raging parties at the very moment when his patience, his serenity, his simplicity in unexampled reverses, for Charles I was never treated with quite the same brutality, began to endear him to the hearts of, at least, the common people. They had never seen the king so close at hand. The sentries on duty at the temple were chosen from the town militia, the Guard Nationale, and constantly varied, lest familiarity favor a system of intrigues between the guards and the prisoners. In this way, a considerable number of Parisians enjoyed their look at Louis. Michelet, that ardent apostle of the Revolution, tells us that his father was one of these sentries of the temple, and that he came away much impressed by the artless good nature and the ingenuity of louis says the tyrant seems a simple easy sort of fellow the republican guards would say a little mystified as they watched the stout hardy king give his little boy a lesson in geography or play a game of piquet to amuse his wife no bitterness no rancor showed in his demeanor and if he had occasion to speak to his jailers it would be to ask them news of their family or to express in his natural way some simple sentiment or homely axiom which made them feel akin on the eleventh of december seventeen ninety two when the king's trial began he was kept all day in court without food or drink his huge bourbon appetite that nothing ever checked tormented the poor prisoner and as he drove homewards to his dungeon of the temple Seeing one of his escort munch a chunk of bread, he asked the man for a bit of it. Chomet, he was Sandique of Paris, broke off a piece, of which Louis eagerly devoured the crust, and then held the crumb in his hand, not knowing what to do with it. Chomet took it from him and threw it out of the window. The king looked surprised. My grandmother, said Chomet, used to say, Never throw a crumb of bread. You couldn't make it grow. Monsieur Chomet, said the king, your grandmother was a woman of great sense. Bread is the gift of God. And in this homely fashion the royal captive, already practically condemned to death, chatted with his republican jailer on his way to his prison. A number of little traits of this sort became diffused among the people, and one may say that never since his youth had the bon roi been so popular as on the very eve of his execution there was no time to lose. The Jacobins hurried on the fatal hour and overbore the passionate opposition of the Girondins. Robespierre was evidently anxious. He rejected the idea of an appeal to the people. For are not the virtuous always a minority? Saint-Just went further still. An appeal to the people, said he, might well be a revival of the monarchy. That which they had to do, they would do quickly. On the 21st of January, 1793, Paris was declared in a state of siege. 
a great green close carriage accompanied by a strong escort led louis the sixteenth to the place louis the fifteenth the present place de la concorde there stood the scaffold the king mounted the steps and then rushed forwards meaning to address the people the officer in command of the troops ordered the drums to beat the king then turned to us wrote the executioner samson who has left his recollections of this great event and said gentlemen i am innocent of that of which i am accused may my blood cement the happiness of frenchmen and he composed himself to death i do not know if the abbe edgeworth really said then the fine phrase with which he is credited enfant de saint louis monte au ciel but it is certain that in that last scene the king who had so constantly wished to prove himself a child of henri iv showed himself really and truly a son of saint louis the death of the king rang the knell of the gironde the girondins soon will be sent in droves to the scaffold will be hunted from their hiding-places in the woods with bloodhounds like runaway slaves will know every form of misery and humiliation the royalist risings in the south and west will only add an excuse to the reign of terror the triumph of the jacobins appears complete as a firm lover of france i cannot bring myself to write the innumerable lists of their victims liberty said madame roland what crimes are committed in thy name yet by their system of tyranny and sacrifice by the way they centralized the energies of france by their extermination of all possible resistance and by the very terror they inspired the jacobins attained that which they attempted which was to secure the future of their country they left her great really one and indivisible defended by fourteen armies comprising twelve hundred thousand men while they mobilized men and money in defence of the country in the teeth of all europe against them with the prussians in the vosges the spaniards threatening bayonne the prince of coburg in front of maubeuge forty-five thousand austrians and italians in the alps fifty thousand spaniards in the pyrenees more than a hundred thousand austrians imperials and english in belgium and the lower rhine thirty-three thousand austrians between the meuse and the moselle a hundred and twelve thousand germans on the upper rhine with all these enemies and a federal insurrection in the south and west these indomitable terrorists still found time and liberty of mind to invent a new form of social order which when at last the triumph of the republic should ensure eternal universal peace might they thought confer on mankind the gifts of unity fraternity and happiness this new organization was in fact their culture robespierre was their thinker but their prophet was saint just a young man of four-and-twenty in seventeen ninety three whose energy passion and genius perhaps also his personal beauty and dark solemn dignity had brought him already to the very summit of affairs the committee of public safety nothing seemed simpler to saint just than by a sequence of decrees expressed with tragic eloquence and enforced by terror to change the very spirit of a nation the character of a race the tendency of an age saint just 
with his fixed sombre gaze under his narrow forehead saw as he thought in front of him across a brief river of blood which he did not hesitate to ford reach out immense and splendid the golden age when nobody should be poor when all men should live equal there should be no more rich opulence said he is infamy let every citizen possess his daily bread a roof over his head a clean and comely wife healthy robust children let him live in self-respecting independence an organized democracy must furnish every citizen with that which he principally needs work for the able instruction for the child assistance for the old and infirm between private persons the difference in the scale of living should be trifling a slight degree should separate the maximum and the minimum much the same standard of comfort in every house that of a well-to-do farmer or prosperous artisan the children of all citizens between the ages of five and twelve shall be educated in common at the expense of the republic no frenchman said robespierre should possess in unearned increment more than three thousand francs one hundred and twenty pounds a year there must be neither rich nor poor we intend said marat that every man who owns less than a hundred thousand francs four thousand pounds shall be on our side and feel that his interest lies in maintaining the republic if the rich will not share and share alike in the benefits of the revolution they are not of our family we confiscated the estates of the emigres because they would not share with us the perils of the revolution egotism is the mortal sin and private property is its aliment these last words which are saint justs sum up the doctrine of the great committee but these opinions could not please those wealthy cities of the south those opulent and cultivated bourgeois who barely four years before had thrown themselves into the revolution in order to secure a wider and unlimited field for their own development and their personal ambition thousands of bourgeois of marseilles bordeaux lyons six thousand inhabitants were sacrificed at lyons were beheaded drowned in the rhine or shot in order to expiate the crime of rebellion against the dogmatism of robespierre and the communism of saint just the republic in its narrow fiery limits could not include both jacobins and girondins one or the other must perish they were incompatible it was a death struggle between the commune and the convention the centripetal and the centrifugal forces and the issue appeared uncertain when the treason of dumouriez who commanded the french armies on the belgian border gave a fatal blow to the prestige of the girondins it was almost a slur on their honour for dumouriez on his last his recent visit to paris had been the constant guest and confederate of the girondins who was to take his place lafayette who commanded the armies of the centre on learning the execution of the king had shaken the dust of his country from his feet and was just setting forth for america seeking like alceste on un doigt écarté ou d'être homme d'honneur on est la liberté when on the very frontier he had been seized by the enemy and was now a military prisoner at olmutz custine another aristocrat who had been sent to the north had been beaten by the prussians 
recalled, beheaded, for such was the Jacobin way with a general not victorious, pour encourager les autres. Decidedly, the Girondins had no luck at all with their generals, whose incapacity or treason compromised the existence of France. The situation was terrible. The English were in Toulon. The army on the Rhine was retreating before the victors of Mayence. The Dutch and the English were masters of Valenciennes. The army of the north was at the mercy of the Austrians. Lyon was in open revolt. La Vendée was at war with the Republic. Two-thirds of the departments were threatening insurrection. Meanwhile in the capital, for Celts will be Celts, the question was less to be or not to be than which will carry the day, the Commune of Paris or the provincial deputies. The Jacobins at least took the situation seriously. On learning the danger of France, they decreed a levy of 300,000 men, a measure which was carried out in the provinces in the midst of protest, agitation, sometimes insurrection, and sometimes civil war. For in that age of professional armies, the obligation of military service appeared the most murderous form of tyranny. When the farmers of the South and the West saw their lads driven from the land in order to fight for a government who had cut off the head of the king, exiled the clergy, and who now, worse luck, threatened their own deputies, the members of their choice, they put their heads together and cogitated. Well, since fight they must, our sons shall fight for us. And they joined the men of Lyon, the Cévennes, La Vendée. Normandy, too, displayed disquieting symptoms. And in Paris, the Jacobins inaugurated a revolutionary tribunal which was to take a short way with traitors. As Robespierre explained, the tribunal will judge only one form of offense, high treason, for which there is only one punishment, death. It is therefore useless that time should be wasted in long deliberations. The Jacobins, the Commune, and the Mountain voted an enforced loan to be levied on the rich, repayable three years after the conclusion of peace. All these measures, requisition of men and money, revolutionary tribunal, even the Committee of Public Safety, were abominable in the eyes of the Gironde, who declared that France was about to witness a worse tyranny than that of Venice. The Girondin members appealed to the provinces. They felt themselves in imminent danger, and with them the laws and liberties of France. And Marat, the soul of the commune, Marat, a lunatic crank inflamed with fever and political passion, or, if you like it, as the Jacobins put it, Marat, ce philosophe formé par la méditation et la malheur, Marat declared with his great blazing sunken eyes glowering at the Girondins, we must cut off a hundred thousand heads in order to save four and twenty millions of men. End of section 30